Hello, hi, and welcome back to a new episode of Two Teaspoons of Positivity. The date is the 12th of September, um, and the time is 7:27 a.m. EST. I think I should. Uh, I want to say something about uh, yesterday and the 20th anniversary, but I think. Um, I think a lot of people have, um, a lot. I think a lot of people feel the exact same way that I feel, and which is just um, varying levels of sadness. Uh, and I think there are a lot of people who have um, put this into words in a much more eloquent manner than I could, than I ever could. So. <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, that went into that tangent. I'm so sorry. Uh, let's get back to the stories. We have quite a few baby stories today. Um, for those, uh, for anyone who's listening for the first time, uh, baby stories are basically um, good things that happened uh, this week. But I could not find any um, major or credible news outlet covering this. Then we have big baby stories, which are stories that I think should be co- should have been covered, but I couldn't really find any um, reputable news source covering this. And then we have big stories. Like I, I found, uh, I found a news article for this. Right. Um, since we have so few big stories today, let's just start from that. The big story of the week is that. Tuna has come back. Tuna has come back um, from the from the brink, according to scientists. So I found this in the National in the National Geographic website on the National Geographic website as well. Right, um, there were four species of tuna that were heading towards extinction a decade ago, but this week it was announced that four species have bounced back from the brink. The conservation win was announced by the International Union for the conservation of nature, so the IUCN, which updated its red list of threatened species this week. The organization also stated that the turnaround was thanks to the introduction of fishing quotas and a crackdown on illegal fishing. We also have a statement here from IUCN's Dr. Bruce Collette. Uh, They stated that this is proof that sustainable fisheries approach work with enormous long-term benefits for livelihoods and biodiversity. Hmm. That is an interesting. Um, uh, that is an interesting idea that I never really gave much thought to. That instead of uh, going to the sea uh, to fish, we can just uh, cordon off an area and just create a self-sustaining fishery over there. So that way, people who have to go and catch fish for a living, they won't have to suffer. Um, they won't have to risk their lives to get a good catch, and we will also be able to provide an opportunity for wild fish populations to recover. Uh, uh, so, Dr. Bruno Aubert. 
I, I sincerely apologize if I'm mispronouncing the name, I probably am. So the IUCN's director general, he uh, also stated that uh, despite increasing pressures on our oceans, species can recover if states truly commit to sustainable practices. Hmm. That is just straightforward facts. that's that's really good and uh, the reason why it's uh, another point I wanted to share was that this can also serve as uh, a blueprint for other um, for saving other species as well like dolphins and uh, whales or like some deep water uh, under deep water what am I saying um, deep sea species I think they can be saved as well if we were to um, apply a sim apply similar practices that uh, contribute to their conservation as well. Uh, let's cover the big baby big stories. Oh, let's cover the big stories. Let's cover the baby stories first. Uh, let's cover the baby stories after this because um, I might get a little. Um, I might overreact <laughs> when it comes to the big baby stories because I'm a little um, salty about the fact that they weren't really covered properly. Um, by covered, I mean no one, no major news site uh, talked about the talked about these two stories. So we have one, two, three, five baby stories, and let's start with baby story number one, which is that Dutch cities have mooted. That cities mooted move to make homes more affordable. So now cities in the Netherlands are planning to prohibit property investors from snapping up houses in some neighborhoods in a bid to make homes more affordable for ordinary working people. That's nice. I think uh, this is also good news for anyone who recently um, started working in the Netherlands and has um, has has recently migrated to the Netherlands and has started working. So now you can. Um, you can uh, get affordable housing in good neighborhoods. So, according to uh, NOS, a Dutch public service broadcaster, Amsterdam and Utrecht, I sincerely apologize if I mispronounced that. Uh, right, these two are, are among the cities planning to prevent investors from buying cheap and mid priced properties. The legislation needed to make that happen is due to come into effect on the 1st of January 2022. That is a little sad, but that's okay. That's, uh, that's what, uh, three months from now. Hmm. A third of the homes sold to the fourth largest, a third of the homes sold in the four largest Dutch cities were, were bought by investors in 2020. Uh, this was, this uh, statement was um, gathered from Dutch news outlets. This encouraged first-time buyers to take greater financial risks or prevented them from getting on the ladder in the first place, according to newspaper, according to newspapers. Supporters of the legislation said it would make uh, neighborhoods more affordable and allow more people to own their own homes. Critics warned that it would reduce the amount of cheap properties on the rental market. How would it reduce the amount of cheap properties? I mean, they're, they're trying to make um, housing affordable 
by not letting investors snap like like so by um, cheap and mid price properties and then raising the prices and then selling it to uh, other potential buyers so i have no clue what <laughs> the critics are smoking or maybe i'm uninformed because that's like 90% of the case that that happens 90% of the time so but either way uh, this is good um, any sort of initiatives that can make of housing affordable is always uh, a good thing <clears throat> because i think uh, anyone who's listening to this i think both of us can agree that uh, no one deserves uh, everyone as i i should rephrase everyone deserves to have a house like everyone deserves to have a place to live in no one should be worried about no one should have to choose between eating food or paying rent i feel like that that is not something that should happen to anyone so this is this is really good and if it's happened in the netherlands i'm guessing that uh, other european cities or other european nations might also um, start looking into this or like introduce similar legislation but only time will tell so uh right that was a good story i like that one um this is the next one right this one the accounting firm kpmg has become the first big business in the uk to publish a socio economic pay gap which measures the salary disparity between the employees from different backgrounds kpmg reported an 8.6% median pay gap between employees from working class backgrounds and those from middle class families the firm pledged to address that oh the firm pledged to address that adding that it wanted 29% of its partners and directors to come from working class backgrounds by 2030 nick miller chief executive of the bridge group a non-profit that promotes social equality issued a statement he said that progress in diversity and inclusion requires robust evidence and practical action in publishing pay gaps by socio economic background for the first time kpmg is leading the way we hope that this will inspire others to follow suit that is very true um, it's uh, this is something i uh, learned i think uh, yesterday that uh, this uh, i don't know if it's an unspoken rule or like actually in office rules but there are quite a few companies that prohibit or prevent employees from talking to each other about their salaries and that's uh, that the way uh, the reason why it is that way is because um they don't want female employees to realize that uh they are doing the same job or uh, they are doing they are providing a lot more um how do i put this they're doing more work and they're being paid less i don't uh, i don't really have uh, enough data to back that statement um but yeah that's i i've heard i've encountered that law i've had to grapple with it as well i can understand why um but yeah just publishing the data uh 
and that too it's company data so the company can do whatever it wants with it wants with its own data right so making it public to all of its employees i think is a good way of uh, overcoming that uh, social barrier of sorts that unspoken rule and yeah i i, I agree with uh, i agree with mr miller here i think uh, other companies should follow suit i hope they do um right this one uh, scouts launched an initiative for children in poor areas the scouts movement has launched uh, an outdoor education program aimed at young children living in deprived areas aimed at 4 and 5 year olds schools will be available in more than 200 locations across the uk Uh, with priority given to communities most affected by the pandemic okay so squirrels is an acronym i think and uh, i don't know what that acronym means but in this program children will spend time learning new skills including how to pitch a tent how to plant seeds and spend 50 penny wisely in the shop <laughs> yeah that's 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 very important i think the third one is far more important than the first two <laughs> because i i've uh, i've made that mistake anyway um right we have a statement from the ceo of scouts if you are for you spent a third of your life in lockdowns yeah that's that's so sad um we know this has especially impacted children in communities hardest hit by the pandemic and i lost the page <laughs> okay i found it again that's why we are presenting the first squirrel drays oh the first squirrel groups in the community that need it most hmm. i like the idea um but i don't know um where this will go because children don't children need more support um children need support from the age of uh, four when i think four or five when most kids start either preschool or kindergarten till they till they at least reach college or maybe even after college <clears throat> so i hope this succeeds and i hope they get to um, expand their operations right this is the second last baby story Beijing reported its best air quality since records began. Once infamous for its smog, Beijing and its Beijing and its pollution-prone neighbor, the Hubei province, have declared their best monthly air quality levels since they began recording it. Uh, I don't know why that makes me laugh. It's it's sad, but it's 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 positive and it's sad. Um, Or maybe I'm just in that kind of mood where I think everything is sad because I've said the word like five times at this point. I sincerely apologize for that. So Beijing's municipal government said that the average concentration of lung-damaging particles, known as PM two point five, was sixteen micrograms per cubic meter in July, which is the lowest reading since twenty thirteen. What is that? In imperial <laughs>、um, units. Cubic meter. Okay. Thank you so much for bearing with me.、Um, oh, that's gallon. Okay.、Um, let's see. 
16 micrograms No, no, microgram. Um, okay. Okay. So I, I I paused recording this and just try to try to find out how much that is in um, imperial units. And uh, the numbers have alphabets in them. So I'm just going to leave that. Uh, right. So let's just say that PM 2.5 was dangerously high. Right. And it is now uh, at its lowest reading since 2013. So that's really nice. Um, efforts have been made to reduce pollution since the air, the air apocalypse event of 2013. What? There was an air apocalypse? That too in what, Beijing? Um, when levels of PM2.5 reached oh, okay, 900 micrograms per cubic meter. I don't know what that means. <laughs> but okay. Um, I think anything, let's say that anything more than 10 micrograms per cubic meter is dangerous and it was already at 16 and then it reached 900. Huh. It's a miracle why, a miracle that anyone is alive in Beijing. Um, but yeah, they, uh, I'm glad that they have made a lot more progress and they said that the progress was made by shutting down smart shutting down factories, reducing vehicle emissions, and just controlling the burning of garbage. Oh. That's interesting. But yeah, if it's uh, if it's possible in Beijing, it's possible in other parts of the world as well, especially um, developing countries. Because the reason why um, there's this notion that developing countries um, produce uh, more or contribute more to climate change it's not because they actively want to no one actively wants to do that um, it's because they don't have the resources um, to uh, recycle reuse or um, reduce their carbon footprint efficiently that is not the case for develop, uh, developed countries though uh, developed countries have the infrastructure and the capital they need to do that but they are actively choosing to not do that the US is sadly a good example of this because we can easily uh, if we just hyper focus on uh, upgrading our power grids we will not have to use uh, any sort of uh, fossil fuel ever but uh, as I think everyone knows how highly uh, political and highly volatile that discussion can turn into so let's move on from that on to our next story uh, a low-cost rail firm took on co2 belching airlines I liked this one even though it hasn't uh, I don't know if it has shown any yeah, it hasn't shown any results as of yet. So a low-cost, low-carbon rail company was launched this week to provide an alternative to flying on the UK's busiest domestic route, London to Edinburgh. I think I pronounced that correctly. But I sincerely apologize if I haven't. So Lumo was the company's name. 
and it promises to provide a greener, cheaper, more comfortable alternative to the plane with one-way tickets starting from 14 pounds and yeah, almost 14, almost 15 pounds. Um, the all-electric trains will enter service in October. October of which year? October of this year? That's that's way too. Um, how was it launched this week and promises trains by October? Hang, hang on, maybe good, maybe some really good planning. I think. Okay, so once airport dwell time, uh, once airport dwell time, flight time, and time spent traveling to and from airports is factored in, the firm reckons its service, journey time, four hours seventeen minutes, will be about as quick as flying. Hmm. That's interesting. So they're saying that they can provide uh, trains that run on uh, electricity, and maybe use, uh, maybe utilize either solar or wind energy. They can. Uh, get people from London to Edinburgh faster than airplanes and that's uh, factoring in the time not just the time you spend with sitting in the plane and just flying from location A to location B they all they are also factoring in the time that it takes for you to um, navigate the airport and uh, um, go through uh, security and then just wait <laughs> so that's that's interesting if they can do that and um, I think this is going to uh, if it uh, when this when this succeeds I think this will um, remove the need for airlines at least in the UK uh, by, by I don't mean completely just remove the need for airlines just mean the need for airlines, uh, the need for domestic flights from London to uh, wherever uh, will probably not be necessary. So that's uh, right, we are done with our baby stories today. Ah, now for the two big baby stories. I'll get through these quickly, I promise. Okay, so the world's first carbon capture factory has gone live in Iceland. This, that happened this week. The factory that sucks CO2 out of the air has been launched. Its name is Orca <coughs> and it is capable of drawing 4,000 tons of ca carbon dioxide from the atmosphere annually according to Climeworks, the firm running the facility. The gas will be converted into rock and stored below the ground. That's, that's smart. Although 4,000 tons is a tiny amount compared to the billions that have already been emitted, Climeworks said that its facility is scalable and presents a milestone in the direct air capture industry. That is a really good point. <clears throat> so, proponents uh, of carbon capture technology believe that it will play a vital role in stabilizing the climate. However, critics fear that it could take the urgency out of reducing emissions now which is the best solution to the climate crisis. That is, um, I wouldn't say it's a very credible fear, but I do, um, I do understand that fear. So maybe the solution is that the Oka shouldn't, uh, the people who are proponents of carbon capture technology should not uh, try to oversell it or even try to market it. They should uh, specify facts like 4,000 tons. It's a lot, but it's it's basically pebbles compared to how much there is. 
but again this is a really good step any progress is progress we need all the wins we can get at least that's what i think so that's the first story uh, the second one was where was it right this one global wind farm installations will surge in 2021 uh, 2021 is almost over i think they went to like 2022 but i'm not sure right uh countries are set to drive a huge expansion of global offshore wind energy this year according to a report by the global wind energy council they predict that uh, no it keeps saying 2021 uh 2021 will be a record year for the booming sector and that offshore wind capacity will grow sevenfold in the next decade however the gwec warns that the world has only installed 2% of the offshore wind capacity it needs to avoid the worst impact of climate change okay um yeah let's just address this uh 2021 will be a record year. i i kind of get why they saying that because it takes time to um take stock of the progress that they've made so in 2022 or 2023 we'll get to find out what happens in 2021 it's why it's like survey data right um that's the first point now the second one this warning that the world has only installed 2% of the offshore wind capacity needed to avoid the worst impacts of climate change i think um the w, the gwc is not looking at the full picture here which makes sense because it is the global wind council not the global renewable energy council because renewable energy comes in different forms right it there's it's not just wind there's solar there's um <laughs> uh there there's solar there's wind and what else is there right uh, the tidal the solar wind tidal and there is also i think geothermal but right nuclear nuclear as well right so solar wind tidal uh, nuclear and maybe geothermal but i'm not sure so it's like the four elements of avatar and then um, nuclear is azula <laughs> hey sincerely apologize to anyone if they didn't get that reference but the point i was trying to make was that other forms of renewable energy have also been have also made a lot of progress progress that we on this <laughs> we we have covered together that i have explained in previous episodes as well um so yeah things aren't as bad and things are getting better um however that isn't no um, that isn't um, that shouldn't ex- allow uh, we still don't have enough uh, we still haven't made enough progress to take things easy we still need to put 120% effort and ensure that um, our children don't have to uh, put the same amount of effort okay okay yeah uh, i think that's that's all of that yeah that's all that happened it was a pretty productive week um tuna game tuna came back from the brink of extinction four species were saved uh, the world's largest carbon capture facility has gone live global wind farm ex- installations will surge or uh, are probably surging we'll get to know uh, next year beijing has seen uh, its best air quality records uh, dutch cities are moving to make 
housing more affordable and there's KPMG which pledged to recruit more working class staff and just remove that divide between um, remove that unspoken or, or find a loophole around that unspoken rule and then there's Lumo I like the name Lumo it's kind of funny but I like the I like the idea by the time it takes you to reach an airport get through security uh, verify your ticket and then wait for the flight and then sit in the flight and then reach your destination and then go through security again and then get out you can just sit in a train and get get the location and for like half the price <laughs> anyway um, that has been our segment two teaspoons of positivity i would like to thank the one person listening to this I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now I am going to tune out. Bye bye.